Mika Fisher. Today's guest is the Managing Director of the National Coalition for Community Capital. The nonprofit aims to educate, advocate, and innovate for the development of community capital, allowing people of any economic status to participate in local or values-aligned investments. She'll also share insights about her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. Mika, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. This is I, I'm really looking forward to learning from you today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're doing uh, such important work. You, you are the staff at the National Coalition for Community Capital, NC3. And uh, NC3 is, is such an, playing a, such an important role in a growing, wonderful space. Tell us a little bit about NC3. Sure. So the basics are just that the mission of NC3 is to educate, advocate, innovate, and promote the development of community capital. So that's kind of our big thing, community capital. And we define that as a set of strategies that allows people of any economic status to invest in their community. So the way that I like to think about this, um, sometimes when I explain it to people and they're like, what are you talking about? I I bring up investing in local businesses. Um, I bring up a bigger vision of like, what if instead of, you know, we want to save for retirement, we want to make sure we're, we're safe in the long term with some financial assets. What if we could do that and simultaneously be building a local, thriving, resilient economic system around us rather than having to squirrel away all our money into Wall Street? So we're trying to help people um, see the strategies to make that possible in their own community. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, it, it is really important. And, and I guess one way that community capital is built is through investment crowdfunding these days, right? Uh, platforms like WeFunder and Small Change and so many of the others that are out there doing community capital kinds of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Crowdfunding is an excellent tool and we support it and talk about it all the time. Um, it's one of the best ways for businesses to really get an audience, um, build their audience up, uh, find an easy platform with the kind of um, support on the legal and regulatory side that they might not otherwise have if they decide to do a DPO or some other public raise. So we're, we're huge fans of regulation crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, which reminds me that you'll be speaking at SuperCrowd 22 in September. We're very excited to have you on yeah. the program. Uh, one of the areas that you've developed some expertise in is cooperatives. And it's interesting to think about the intersection of community capital, crowdfunding, and cooperatives. Tell us a little bit about what you think the issues are and the opportunities are in that space. Sure. So I think one thing that I'll start with is it's kind of a personal thread for me and also a thread between the two ideas which is that I am always looking for ways to make our economy really feel like our own, to give power back to regular people within the economy um, and to what I like to say, you know, democratize the economy. Um, we live in a system, political system that we call democracy. Why should our economic system not be democratic as well? Um, and cooperatives and community capital are both really strong mechanisms for democratizing the economy. So community capital changes the power structures around how capital flows throughout the economy. It says, you know what, rather than just having a few people behind closed doors, mostly white men, um, making decisions about these streams of capital, 
it, that shouldn't be that way. It creates an economy that doesn't serve everyone. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, it consolidates wealth and power. Um, how can we find new ways to make decisions about where investment capital flows and bring more people into the fold and hopefully everyone into the fold? Maybe everyone should be part of this decision-making process. Um, and cooperatives are doing the exact same thing. It's saying, you know, in a firm and in your workplace, rather than having a few people at the top of a pyramid make decisions about how the workplace runs, what the policies are, what's happening on a day-to-day, -day, um, on the day-to-day -day on the job, we should make it the workers. They're, they're part of this, you know? Um, they should have a say in what's happening in their own work life. So it's really both... Um, you know, both mechanisms for democratizing different levels of the economy and different ways that you interact with the economy. Um, and I think they're really kind of a beautiful match for that reason. So I'd love to see examples where, uh, where cooperatives, worker cooperatives or other types of cooperatives are using community capital raises. And one of the ways that they've done that is through regulation crowdfunding. So one of the really cool raises that I like to bring up, because I've got some personal connections, is the Drivers Cooperative here in New York City, where I'm based. They're an awesome driver-owned, driver-run cooperative um, as an alternative to Uber and, and those other ride-hailing apps. Um, and they did a Reg CF raise on WeFunder and raised over a million dollars. And it's an amazing, in a lot of ways, radical project, uh, but the community is craving something like that, and you can really see it through their crowdfunding raise. Um, so for yeah, me, it I think- Yeah, it ensures that the drivers aren't being uh, victimized or exploited by uh, capitalist overlords, right? Yeah, exactly. It's And I've talked to a lot of these drivers. I, I always take rides with the Drivers Cooperative when I can, and it is a really beautiful you know, experience, I think, for them and, and for me, even as a passenger, because you're talking to someone who has an active say in things like hiring, um, they can go to committees and, and figure out what's the best pricing structure to, to bring down costs for drivers, because that's a huge issue in the industry. Um, and, you know, I think often there's this weird positioning with consumers versus workers in a capitalist framework for the economy, where you say like, oh, you know, we, we have to do this because it's better for the consumer experience and that's how we're going to get... Um, we're going to get more customers and that's often things that cut out or harm workers. And I just don't find that to be true. I think that if workers are being treated fairly, you end up getting better service and, and you have a, you know, a great experience as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. It, it's exciting to see what's going on there. And uh, I, I really am excited to have you bring all these insights to uh, Supercrowd 22. It's just going to be great. Now, in your last job, uh, you were specifically tasked to do work on with cooperatives. So this is a genuine area of expertise of yours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've been working with cooperatives for, for a number of years now. My last position with, was with the city of New York. Um, there is funding that comes from the city government in New York City, um, city council specifically, and it gets funneled through the Department of Small Business Services, where I was. And it is then um, given to nonprofits in New York City who are helping develop worker cooperatives. So it's kind of this ecosystem approach to um, helping build more worker cooperatives in New York City um, and provide tech free technical assistance and other educational support about that um, about that structure. So I was there kind of 
um, overseeing the whole program, um, tracking how uh, tra tracking what happened with the program if everyone was meeting their goals, um, which gave me a really nice bird's eye view on the cooperative development ecosystem here. Um, and it also led to a project that I did with the deputy mayor's office in New York City, um, Deputy Mayor Thompson at the time. And we started something called Owner to Owners. And this was a marketing campaign to connect business, current business owners who had traditional businesses with the support services they needed to transition to a worker-owned business. So we were kind of um, focused specifically on that during COVID because a lot of business owners were realizing that they needed to transition and, and something needed to change in their business. And we were trying to say, rather than sell to a competitor, Look at your workers. They're already there. They already know what to do. We can help them find the expertise and funding that they need. That is such a cool uh, model for creating, uh, you know, a more equitable workplace, right? That is more inclusive. Uh, so it's what a great experience to be able to dig deep into that area because it's something that's fascinated for me for a long time. Uh, do you have any other examples besides the drivers cooperative that uh, you saw while you were there that are working well? Oh, they're working well for cooperatives. Sure. There's, there's a bunch of great examples. Um, something I really like to bring up um, is the up and go cleaning cooperatives. So there's a, a history of um, mostly Latino women in New York city who are immigrants um, who, you know, took a stand against really exploitative work environments. That's, really common here. Um, and, you know, they realized that by forming cooperatives and managing their own businesses, they could both um, use economies of scale, as well as, you know, the more grassroots cooperative and democratically managed workplaces. So to kind of combine those two needs, um, they created the Up and Go Cooperative, which is a cleaning cooperative that's enabled by a tech app. So I could, as a consumer, book a cleaning on my phone the way you could with something like TaskRabbit or these other, you know, Silicon Valley owned apps. Um, I can book a cleaning cooperative and the people that own the app and that manage the app are workers from five worker cooperatives um, in the city. And they dispatch someone who comes out and I know that I have a worker owner. So someone who truly has a stake in the business and, and really is being treated fairly and being paid at a higher wage come into my home and give me a cleaning. And I've also had really incredible experiences with that. Oh, that's fantastic. It's just fantastic. It's just, it, uh, it's almost like uh, magic when you strip out the, the, the capital profit and, and give that to the workers. It completely changes the dynamic uh, in, in so many ways. Uh, yeah. Of course, among them is just the dignity that comes from being an owner uh, and working in that environment. Am I, am I inferring too much? I mean, I, no, I not at all. Think that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard this from worker owners all the time that you get a sense of dignity and it's often, you know, this sense of autonomy that is just so stripped from so many people in the economy where you can, you know, if your schedule isn't working for you, if you don't have any time to spend with your family, you can actually talk to the other worker owners about that and, you know, find a way to, to make it work better for you. So I, I think that's something I've heard from worker owners the most is it's, not just that work life gets better, it's that life outside of work gets better because you feel more control in both places. Um, and to circle this back to my work at NC3, I think the two are really linked. You know, We are able, 
if, if I see businesses like this and I see communities like this thriving from worker-owned businesses, it's very frustrating that as a person with investable assets, even if it's a small amount, I'm not able to support that with those investable assets. So we're trying to build an economy where that's just not the case. Like people are able to see what is a better business model and you know, it's unfair that it, we're kind of blocked off from investing in that because we're not accredited investors or the wealthiest people in the United States. Yeah, it, it is exciting stuff. And I am so grateful uh, for your insights. You've done a lot. Uh, you're still a, a very young professional early in your career, but you've done some cool stuff and developed some great expertise. What's your superpower? What's my superpower? So I, I like to say, I think it changes depending on the day, but right now I think what I'm noticing about myself is that I'm able to see situations that people might consider, might put a competitive lens on, and I'm able to flip that on its head and see possibilities for cooperation and collectivism. Wow. That is a great superpower. And that's that's one, you may have some natural ability there, but really that's honed, that's developed, it's learned. Uh, that's impressive. How did you learn it? Where did you develop that skill? Hmm. This is a great question because I'm not, part of it I think is kind of just my natural inclination. I never loved really competitive, competition made me uncomfortable, um, but there's a few places where I get to practice it more. I think there's one way to practice this um, is to do it every day in your meetings at work. So I always try to run as democratic as possible, like my meetings in, at work or in organizing outside of work. Um, there's a tool that I've used in the past called Sociocracy, um, which is just a democratic governance structure that focuses on sort of concentric circles of management rather than hierarchies. Um, and I think that that is a really helpful tool for learning how to think differently about collaborating with people and to unlearn the idea that you can only get stuff done if there's someone who's quote unquote in control. You know, it, people yeah. can develop expertise in, in areas where they want to take leadership, but that's very different than con having control over other people. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. You know, you know, you're looking at uh, an old school, middle-aged white guy who got an MBA at an Ivy league school. And that, those ideas in some ways just like break my brain, right? Because <laughs> yeah. trust me, that didn't come up uh, it, when I was in business school. Uh, and I, I don't say that in any way to suggest for a minute that you're wrong. To the contrary, obviously you bring expertise here. You're right. And uh, it just is so interesting to think that there's this whole other way that I need to learn more about for uh, running things as simple as a meeting. Uh, so I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want you to try to think of a time when your ability to sort of reverse the script, flip the script from uh, um, competition to cooperation uh, and think about a time when applying that skill led to a success. Can you think of a time when you you applied that skill to a, a problem or circumstance and there was a, a remarkable outcome? 
a remarkable outcome is a it's a high bar, but <laughs> at least I'll, I'll, yeah, a good outcome. I'll say this: the program that I was helping manage at New York City, um, it's the long name is the Worker Cooperative Business Development Initiative, or WCBDI. Um, that's when city council is allowed to name things. It turns out like that. Yeah, <laughs> but right. I tried to take a cooperative approach to how those organizations were interacting with the city because often it's really hard, you know, when you have a city agency managing nonprofits, um, contracts with nonprofits, and nonprofits that are really radical, interested in economic democracy, have maybe a very different way of communicating. Um, I really had to shift that idea from a, you know, I'm your contract manager who's trying to control what you're doing into a um, cooperative uh, interaction where it's, it's like, you know what, the thing is we actually have the same goal. Like, why should this be a power over the, the you know, contracted organization situation if we're all here to do the same thing and we want to see the same outcome? Um, and I think that meant, you know, a lot more time listening. I think that's something that doesn't happen a lot today that makes a big difference. Um, more time listening, more time with open space to hear what the needs are of the organization that maybe were not being met before. And honest feedback, you know, like sometimes I think the idea of competition or control comes into play when something is going wrong and there's no practiced other way of doing things. So feedback is absolutely key to that and honest feedback and having, um, you know, the ability to take that feedback and, and not feel offended by it. So I think that using all of those practices in that relationship meant that um, we got a lot done. And, you know, we started this program with this, the uh, deputy mayor's office that wouldn't have happened without that good relationship. Um, and yeah, I think it led to a lot of successes in the time that I was there. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. that. That's a great example. So now I want to I want to take a step forward and say, okay, so uh, I, I want you to maybe personalize this a bit. I, I suspect there's someone else out there like me. I'm not all alone in the world, but uh, I've got a lot to learn about being able to see past this traditional view of co-op competition and switching it and thinking about co- cooperation instead. It breaks my brain even to say it. So uh, how would you coach me, people like me, to develop that thought process, to think about ways that we could cooperate instead of compete? I think for me, it's about, it's kind of, it sounds a little hyperbolic, but you know, it's like question everything. Like the way I see the world is that most things that we take for granted, we actually shouldn't be taking for granted. Someone came up with a system and the person who's benefiting from that system is probably, once again, a white man. Um, And, you know, and it doesn't, like why, it's not inherent. Most things are not inherently that way. Um, So I do that all the time when I, you know, see a new business or I get introduced to a new idea. I always have my questioning hat on. Um, Is this something that is really creating a meaningful experience for the person who has the least power there. You know, are they learning? Are they growing? Do they feel empowered? Do they feel like um, this is, they have agency and choice. Um, And I think just really asking that series of questions every time you see a new organization, a new business, a new group of people um, has, has helped me kind of reframe the, my mind and the assumptions that I make. Wow. That's great. That's great. 
Well, Mika, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and sharing these great insights. We've just learned a lot from you today. Before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about NC3 and how they can connect with you personally, maybe on social media? Sure. Um, so NC3's website is nc3now.org. Um, and I'm actually not a big social media user, <laughs> but if you do want to connect with me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Mika Fisher on there. And I think you have my, my, um, the URL for that that will be shared. Um, and feel free to reach out via NC3's website as well. I personally monitor all of those inquiries. Fantastic. Well, Mika, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Wish you every success in your efforts to help build communities around the country. This is such incredibly important work. Uh, we really want to see you succeed. Thank you so much. And thanks again for having me. And definitely to your listeners, feel free to reach out. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this work, and I love to get other people excited about it as well. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.